Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learn something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. All right, happy Friday, everyone. In this episode, I'm joined by Charlie Plum, attorney and shareholder at McAfee and Taft. He specializes in employment and labor law and has written several pieces for HR Daily Advisor about state and federal employment laws and regulations. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Maddie, for inviting me. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today because I know that part of your background in law includes representing non-unionized and unionized employers in a lot of different formats. So I would love to know your thoughts about Starbucks stores recently filing for union election petitions with the National Labor Relations Board. What does that mean for employers and why do you think Starbucks is having such a big trend? Well, it's not limited, I think, to Starbucks. I think we're seeing a lot of news, a lot of announcements about not only the unionizing efforts at Starbucks, but also Amazon and and Apple's retail stores. You know, I think there's some distinct trends that are happening right now. Certainly Starbucks, Amazon and Apple get a higher profile than other employers. But a couple of trends we're seeing that I think are indicative of that is since 2022 began, there have been a 60%, almost a 60% increase in petitions filed by employees with the National Labor Relations Board wanting to unionize their workplace. You know, that's a significant bump in a relatively short time period. The other thing I think that's been interesting and, and is reflected in what we're seeing at Starbucks, Amazon, and Apple, and others around the country, it is nationwide. It's not isolated geographic pockets. For a long time, there's been this general, I'll say, apathy at best, maybe dislike of unions as a whole in our whole culture. And in the last year or so, that's really flipped. And recent polls show our society as a whole being receptive, more receptive than it's been since the early 60s to unionization. So I think there's a couple of friends that really bode a resurgence uh, of unionization and and Starbucks, Amazon, and Apple being some of the higher profile uh, employers that are targeted. Right. And so as you were talking about how it's recently been trending that people are more open and accepting of the concept of unions, do you think that's in part from the themes of the Great Resignation and people's search for equitable working conditions during COVID-19? I I think that's a a very important part. I I think there are four or five factors that are really the fuel for this engine right now of increased unionization. I think the pandemic that you point out, it was really kind of a game changer. And it really thrust a lot of stress on our workforce in terms of uh, more hours, particularly in the service industry, more exposure to health dangers, understaffing, those sorts of things. But it also caused employees to realize they were more important than they perhaps you know noted before. So I do think the pandemic, but, but I'll throw a few other reasons. I think this is all coming together. I think economics is a big factor. We've got a tight job market, again, nationally, uh, across a, a wide range of industries and businesses. Employees in our workforce are realizing now's the time they perhaps have more leverage or bargaining power than they've had in the past. We also have creeping inflation and people realizing that gas is going to cost more and groceries are going to cost more. And maybe they feel like their wages and benefits have kind of stagnated. That makes unions more attractive. 
you mentioned, you know, movements or change in our society. I do think culturally we're seeing a workforce that was a participant or at the very least viewing some very significant social movements lately. The Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think, you know, that experience culturally uh, makes people more receptive to unions. Politically, we've got a, a new administration, at least since 2020, that is more pro-union and, in fact, is taking some very tangible steps that are going to make unionizing non-union employers much, much easier. I think that's going to be fuel. And then kind of an intangible, and again, Starbucks, Amazon, and Apple are a good example. We've got media, both traditional media and social media, giving that a lot of play. And I think that triggers a lot of that activity and interest that was dormant for years. Right. So as you've mentioned, Apple and Starbucks and Amazon are in the forefront of media recognition of unionization efforts. So what other industries do you think are kind of next in line to start following suit? Well, I think we realize that our economy is moving really towards a more service-based or logistics and distribution-based, and the unions are very cognizant of that. So I think we're going to see them focus on those kinds of industries, perhaps low wages and low benefits. I don't think it's a, a coincidence that Starbucks and Apple are retail employers and they're, they're organizing at the retail level. I think retail employees and retail organizations are going to be targeted. I think hospitality in general, you know, I'm, I'm throwing in there restaurants, hotels, lodging, you name it. That's those sorts of industries. Uh, I think also distribution, which I would include trucking or warehousing or fulfillment type organizations. Again, Amazon falls in that category. Again, our move from manufacturing to a more service-based industry the unions realize they're going to have to change with that economy and economic change or they're going to die. I think they see in retail, hospitality, and distribution, maybe opportunities where particular workforces may feel like they're underpaid or overworked or the benefits are inadequate. And so if industries are worried about unions becoming a topic at their workplace, what can they do to provide the benefits or the wages ahead of time that their employees feel that they need? I think it's not just about paying more wages. This is, you know, this is certainly a product of workforce, if they're, they're resorting to the union, feeling like they are underpaid or undervalued. But that's not the sole piece to this. One of the things I think that is interesting in the Starbucks and Amazon and Apple experience that is new, and I think it's one of the reasons they're having getting a little bit more traction is we're seeing an emphasis on employee-driven or employee-overseen organizing efforts. And I'm distinguishing that from the historic professional organizers out of the international union's office. I think that's what employers have to anticipate. I think it's more of a grassroots type of effort, and that, again, is a change. I think it's a smart change if you're the union. Unions don't like to give up uh, that kind of control, but I think they're starting to realize for it to be successful, it really has to be done at the local level. And we're seeing a lot of networking through social media, texting, Snapchat, you name it, between employees and a lot of use of social media. So if I'm an employer and I'm concerned, if I got my radar up about unionization, and, and you really have to right now, I think of it in this way, and, and this is a, the approach I would recommend to employers. 
The employers that are most susceptible to successful union campaigns are those employers that are not doing a good job of communicating with their employees, and they're not maybe great employers. Uh, unions, historically, they look for the low-hanging fruit. You know, they're going to go to a workplace in which there is frustration of the, you know, of the workers and the employees towards their supervisors and managers towards their company. Perhaps they feel like they're not listened to. So it's not just about wages and benefits. That's an important part because that's a reality with our current economic situation. But that's easier to fix than perhaps doing a better job of communicating. I mean, employers have to be in a situation in which they are explaining to their workforce that they are a better deal than the union is. If an employer does a good job of listening, not just talking, but listening to its workforce and reacting, that doesn't mean giving the workforce everything they want, but it does mean a two-way street in the communication and doing a good job of supervisor and managing. My experience is that that workforce is less likely to vote for a union. Wages and benefits are important too, but if you've got a workforce where they believe the supervisors and managers and senior executives are kind of on a pedestal above them and have no real interest in them and are not listening to them and interacting with them, that's the workforce that I think is going to be very susceptible to this new resurgence of unionization. So at the risk of sounding touchy-feely, <laughs> I think it is important to know where you stand in the marketplace in terms of wages. Are you paying competitive wages or are you losing people because of to others than your competitors? Are we competitive in terms of benefits? That's all important. But again, let's do that in an environment where we're talking with, and I mean with, not talking to, talking with our workforce and really interacting with them. And again, I'm not saying giving the keys to the, the shop or the office, just having that sort of interaction and, and making them understand that we realize and value them as part of the organization. Yeah, for almost every single industry, especially after COVID-19, having a culture where you feel represented and listened to, especially from your upper management, is important. So kind of in the same vein of how important it is for companies to communicate to their employees, we've seen on the for the unions especially, social media being a key way to get ideas and thoughts and feelings through. Is there anything that, like any tools or strategies that companies can use to kind of maintain the same open line of communications with their employees? There's still no substitute for face-to-face, in-person meetings, but sometimes that's not possible. And it's certainly not possible with the kind of speed and regularity you have through social media. So I'm always an advocate that part of your communication, particularly with our more technologically savvy and younger workforce, is use social media in various, you know, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, you name it. Use it in a way to communicate and make it two-way, not just you making announcements, but also also soliciting comments. And you've got to be big enough as an employer to get criticisms. That's part of the deal. So I think pushing things out, I've got employers that are you know, using Instagram to get information out, Twitter to get out, but not in isolation. They're still maybe cycling through their locations. It's really also important, you know, your frontline supervisors and managers, those are the people that have the most day-to-day contact with your workforce. You need to kind of coach them up so they understand the importance and the value of communicating and understand so the message is consistent. 
so they understand when they give questions. If they don't know an answer, the answer is, I don't know that, but I'm going to get the answer to that and get back with you. Those supervisors and managers are an incredibly valuable tool to staying non-union. You know, the other common denominator, Maddie, I see when someone gets unionized, inevitably they have a weak or ineffective supervisor or manager tier. You know, that's really been the perhaps the largest glitch or problem in communication and leaves them, again, most vulnerable for this new resurgence of unionization. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It's like um, like a string cup phone, like when you're kids. <laughs> if the line gets snapped, you won't be able to talk to anybody. And in a lot of cases, those managers are the pathway to get that information out. Well, you know, the other side benefit, when senior management is sitting down or discussing with managers and supervisors, direct managers and supervisors, of where we're headed and where we're going, how we're going to get there together, that communication, you know, you end up with a very good team at, from top to bottom. My goal is always when I work with employer state non-union, I say, I want to get your place, your workforce, your supervisors and managers in a place where the union says, that's going to be a hard nut to crack. Let's go and unionize the company across the street. We've talked a lot about how communication is especially important these days. What other dynamics between employers and employees do you think has changed over the past couple of years? Well, I think these are all positive as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think we've gotten away from a top-down kind of authoritarian or dictatorial workplace where we're pushing responsibilities and discretion down. I think that's a positive. I think it's a positive just generally from an HR standpoint. But I think it's a positive to keep your workplace union-free. I think we have more methods of communicating. I mean, one of the benefits of people becoming more facile with technology is the ability to give suggestions. I see employers more receptive, too. I see there are fewer employers that answer the questions is because I said so. I see less employers like that and more willing to have team members involved in that process. I'm kind of a glass half full guy. I see an improvement in the workplace. And again, the, the reality is if you don't advance your own workplace and your workforce, if you don't take these kind of concerns and consideration and be ahead of that curve, you are going to be the target for unions. Right. So my final question for you today is the same question I ask everybody who joins me on the show. Since this is airing on Friday, do you have anything you're really looking forward to this weekend? This weekend is going to be Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be at my cabin on a lake. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, on a boat and uh, hopefully uh, drinking some cold adult beverages, Maddie. That sounds like the dream. I hope you have a really good long weekend. Well, you too. I hope you do as well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm also, my family has a place on a river and we got to open it for the summertime. So I'm going to be doing a lot of cleaning and hopefully having enough uh, adult beverages to even out that stress. That's exactly what Memorial Day weekend is all about, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Charlie, thank you again for joining me. This was a great conversation. Thanks for the invitation. And do have a good Memorial Day, okay? Yeah, you too. You as well. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.